0: chapter seventeen of the herapath property by j s fletcher this librivox recording is in the public domain the law once within a taxicab and on their way to maida vale mr halfpenny turned to his companion with a shake of the head which implied a much-mixed state of feeling tertius he exclaimed there's something wrong quite apart from what we know and from what we were able to communicate to the police there's something wrong i feel it it's in the air the-the whole atmosphere that fellow barthorpe is up to some game what did you notice his manner his attitude everything of course who could help it he has some scheme in his head again i say what mr tertius stirred uneasily in his seat and shook his head "'You haven't heard anything from New Scotland Yard?' he asked. "'Nothing so far, but they are at work, of course. "'They'll work in their own way. "'And,' continued Mr. Halfpenny, with a grim chuckle, "'you can be certain of this much, Staratus, "'having heard what we were able to tell them, "'having seen what we were able to put before them, "'with respect to the doings of that eventful night, "'they won't let Master Barthorpe out of their ken, not they.' It's best to let them pursue their own investigations in their own manner, and they'll let us know what's been done, sure enough, at the right time. Yes, assented Mr. Tertius. Yes, so I gather. I am not very conversant with these things, I confess. There's one thing that puzzles me greatly, though, Halfpenny. That's the matter of the man who came out of the House of Commons with Jacob that night. You remember that the Coachman Mountain told us and said at the inquest also that he overheard what jacob said to that man the thing must be done at once and you must have everything ready for me at noon tomorrow or words to that effect now that man must be somewhere at hand he must have read the newspapers know all about the inquest why doesn't he come forward mr halfpenny chuckled again and patted his friend's arm ah he said but you don't know that he hasn't come forward the probability is tertius that he has come forward and that the people at new scotland yard are already in possession of whatever story he had to tell oh yes i quite expect that i also expect to hear eventually another piece of news in relation to that man what's that asked mr tertius do you remember that at the inquest mountain the coachman said that there was another bit of evidence he had to give which he'd forgotten to tell mr barthorpe when he questioned him mountain continued mr halfpenny went on to say that while jacob Herapath and the man stood talking in palace yard before jacob got into his brougham jacob took some object from his waistcoat pocket and handed it with what looked like a letter to the man ah huh? i remember very well replied mr tertius very good said mr halfpenny now i believe that the object to have been the key of jacob's safe at the safe deposit which you remember could not be found but which young selwood affirmed had been in jacob's possession only that afternoon the letter i believe to have been a formal authority to the safe deposit people to allow the bearer to open that safe i've thought all that out concluded mr halfpenny with a smile of triumph thought it out carefully and it's my impression that that's what we shall find when the police move i believe that the man has revealed himself to the police has told them whatever it is he has to tell and that his story probably throws a vast flood of light on the mystery so i say let us not at present concern ourselves with the actual murder of our poor friend the police will ferret that out what we're concerned with is the will that will tertius must be proved and at once i am as little conversant with legal matters as with police procedure observed mr tertius what is the exact course now in a case of this sort the exact procedure my dear sir replied mr halfpenny dropping into his best legal manner and putting the tips of his warmly gloved fingers together in front of his well-filled overcoat the exact procedure is as follows. Barthorpe Herapath is without a doubt the heir-at-law of his deceased uncle, Jacob Herapath. If Jacob had died intestate, testate, Barthorpe would have taken what we may call everything, for his uncle's property is practically all in the shape of real estate, in comparison to which the personality is a mere nothing. But there is a will leaving everything to Margaret Wynne. If Barthorpe Herapath intends to contest the legality of that will-good heavens, is that possible? exclaimed Mr. Tertius. He can't. He can if he wishes, replied Mr. Halfpenny, though at present I don't know on what possible grounds. But if he does, he can at once enter a caveat in the probate registry. The effect of that, supposing he does it, will be that when I take the will to be proved, progress will be stopped very well i shall then following the ordinary practice issue and serve upon barthorpe herapith a document technically known as a warning on service of this warning barthorpe if he insists upon his opposition must enter an appearance there will then be an opportunity for debate and attempt at agreement between him and ourselves if that fails or does not take place i shall then issue a writ to establish the will, and that being done, why then, my dear sir, the proceedings—ah, the proceedings would follow substantially the uh, usual course of litigation in this country. And that, asked Mister Tertius, deeply interested and wholly innocent, that would be. Well, there are two parties in this case, supposed case. Continued Mister Halfpenny, Barthorpe Herapath, Margaret Wynne. After the issue of the writ I have just spoken of, each party would put in his or her pleas, and the matter would ultimately go to trial in the probate division of the High Court, most likely before a judge and a special jury. And how long would all this take? asked Mr. Territus. Ah, Ah, oh, replied Mr. Halfpenny, tapping the tips of his gloves together. That, my dear sir, is a somewhat difficult question to answer i believe that all readers of the newspapers are aware that our law courts are somewhat congested the cause lists are very full the time which must elapse before a case can actually come to trial varies my dear tertius varies enormously But if as in the matter we are supposing would probably be the case if all the parties concerned were particularly anxious to have the case disposed of without delay the trial might be arrived at within three or four months. That is, my dear sir, if the long vacation did not intervene. But speaking generally, a better, more usual, more probable estimate would be, say, six, seven, eight, or nine months. So long, exclaimed Mr. Tertius. I thought that justice was neither denied, sold, nor delayed. "'Justice is never denied, my good friend, nor is it sold,' replied Mr. Halfpenny, oracularly. "'As to delay, ah, well, you know, if people will be litigants, and I assure you that nothing is so pleasing to a very large number of extraordinary persons who simply love litigation, a little delay cannot be avoided. However, we will hope that we shall have no litigation. Our present job is to get that will proved.' and so far I see no difficulty. There is the will. We have the witnesses, at least. There are you, and we're hoping to see the other in a few minutes. By the by, Tertius, what sort of fellow is this Burchill? Mr. Tertius considered his answer to this question. Well, I hardly know, he said at last, of course. I've rarely seen much of Jacob's secretaries. This man, he's not quite a youngster, half-penny, struck me as being the sort of person who might be dangerous ah exclaimed mr halfpenny dangerous god bless me now in what way tertius i don't quite know replied mr tertius he somehow from what i saw of him suggested i really don't know how a certain atmosphere of say i'm trying to find the right words cunning subtlety depth yes yes i should say he was what we commonly call, or what is commonly called, in vulgar parlance, deep, deep. "'You mean designing?' suggested Mr. Halfpenny. "'Exactly, designing,' assented Mr. Tertius. "'It it was the sort of idea he conveyed, you know.' "'Don't like the sound of him,' said Mr. Halfpenny. "'However, he's the second witness, and we must put up with the fact. And here we are at these Callan Grove mansions.' "'and let's hope we haven't a hundred infernal steps to climb "'and that we find the fellow in.' "'The fellow was in, and the fellow, "'who had now discarded his morning suit "'for the purple and fine linen which suggested Bond Street, "'was just about to go out, and was in a great hurry and said so. "'He listened with obvious impatience "'while Mr. Tertius presented his companion.' I wish to see you about the will of the deceased Jacob Herapath, Mr. Burchill, said Mr. Halfpenny, the will which, of course, you witnessed. Burchill, who was gathering some books and papers together and had already apologized for not being able to ask his callers to sit down, answered in an offhand, bustling fashion. Of course, of course, he replied. Mr. Jacob Herapath's will, huh? Oh, of course, yes. Anything I can do, Mr. Halfpenny of course perhaps you'll drop me a line and make an appointment at your office some day then i'll call d'ye you see you remember the occasion and the will and your signature said mr halfpenny contriving to give mr tertius a nudge as he put this direct question oh i remember everything that ever happened in connection with my secretaryship to mr jacob herapath replied burchill still bustling I shall be ready for anything whenever I'm wanted, Mr. Halfpenny. Pleased to be of service to the family, I'm sure. Now, you must really pardon me, gentlemen, if I hurry you and myself out. I've a most important engagement, and I'm late already. As I said, drop me a line for an appointment, Mr. Halfpenny, and I'll come to you. Now, good-bye, good-bye. He had got them out of his flat, shaken hands with them, and hurried off, before either gentleman could get a word in and as he flew towards the stairs mr halfpenny looked at mr tertius and shook his head that beggar didn't want to talk he said i don't like it but he said that he remembered exclaimed mr tertius wasn't that satisfactory anything but satisfactory the whole thing replied the old lawyer didn't you notice that the man avoided any direct reply he said of course about a hundred times, and was as ambiguous and noncommittal and vague as he could be. My dear Tertius, the fellow, was fencing. Mr. Tertius looked deeply distressed. You don't think he began? I might think a lot when I begin to think, said Mr. Halfpenny, as they slowly descended the stairs from the desert-like solitude of the top floor of Callan Grove Mansions. But there's one thought that strikes me just now. Do you remember what Burchill's old landlady at Upper Seymour Street told us? That Barthorpe Herapeth had been to inquire for Burchill? Yes, replied Mr. Tertius. you're wondering. I'm wondering if, since then, Barthorpe has found him, said Mr. Halfpenny, if he has, if there have been passage between them, if. He paused halfway down the stairs, stood for a moment or two, in deep thought and then laid his hand on his friend's arm tertius he said gravely that will must be presented for probate at once i must lose no time come along let me get back to my office and get to work and do you go back to portman square and give the little woman your company mr tertius went back to portman square there and then and did what he could to make the gloomy house less gloomy Instead of retreating to his own solitude, he remained with Peggy and tried to cheer her up by discussing various plans and matters of the future. And as he was taking a quiet cup of tea with her at five o'clock, when Kitteridge came in with a telegram for him, he opened it with trembling fingers and read, Barthorpe entered caveat in probate registry at half-past three this afternoon. Halfpenny. End of chapter 17